Every time we start the show, we always talk about great ways to hear the show. Uh, we are huge fans of Stitcher. Stitcher is a great way to hear the show. All you have to do is just download Stitcher from Stitcher.com on your smartphone. It doesn't matter what smartphone, and you can uh, you can stream Cognitive Dissonance. If you do that, make sure you favorite us or put us in your playlist. That helps our boost our, our ratings on Stitcher. Also, you can rate us on Stitcher. That's pretty awesome. And then thirdly, you could go to uh, our website, DissonancePod.com, and DissonancePod.com this week episode 129, we'll have uh, a link to the Stitcher Awards. We're looking to try to get uh, the nomination for Best Society and Culture. Last year, we got uh, absolutely destroyed by Radiolab and This American Life. We're looking to do the same thing again this year. So if you can take a few moments out of your day between now and Christmas Eve uh, to vote for us on the Stitcher Awards, you can find the link, like I said, on our website. And then uh, you can vote every day, and that helps us uh, get a little larger rankings and a little bit, a uh, little bit more exposure. And we really appreciate it. So, if you have some time, please do so. Hi, Tom and Cecil. This is Jason. I'd like to bring your attention to the movie God's Not Dead. I know you guys do movie reviews sometimes, and this one's not out yet, but it looks incredibly funny already. So, I'd love to hear you guys rip it apart when it's finally released. Thanks for the great show and glory hole. Was a French priest named Jean Claude who stabbed altar boys with his pork sword. They'd scream and they'd shout as he thrust in and out in the back of a rusty old Ford. Glory now. Hey guys, this is Amanda in Lynchburg, Virginia again. Um, you know, just calling with my life under the Liberty update. We've got, uh, right now we've got, uh, you know, that, that Liberty security guard that shot and killed that student for some reason or another, which is, uh, you know, kind of unsurprising because the entire campus is open carry for anyone who's over the age of 21, which, you know, makes sense. Because I remember when I was in college, I was like, you know, I really love all these facts and shit that I'm learning and all this knowledge I'm gaining. But what I really need right now is to just fucking shoot something. So, yeah, that that was the obvious conclusion to that story. So I don't even know, you know, all the details because whatever. But the real reason I called is because where I work, there is... Next to my place of employment, there is a church that says, and it has a sign in the driveway that says, enter here to come to Jesus. And I wish I was good at being funny or good at Photoshop because there is a glory hole joke in there somewhere, I'm sure. But anyways, every Monday, y'all make my ears the glory holes, and I thank you. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. This is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical. It's political. And there is 
No welcome, Matt. This is episode 128. No. Yes, it says no. Motherfucker, I Motherfucker, will stab look you. Look at right here. Look it says right fucking here one on this part of the computer. Well, there's fucking 128. It's already posted. You dumb Shit, motherfucker. Please. Look at it. Notes episode 128. Yeah, you fucking change something for I'll, once. Do a thing. <laughs> I'll be given no fuck. You this suck. Is episode 128, part two, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> This is the goddamn sequel. Oh, you suck so I bad do, at this. You're you so this bad at this. Me. You are so bad. I'm quite terrible that at this. That is the end of all my talking. <laughs> and we have Adam uh, on our show. Adam from the Herd Mentality from Twitter fame. You like got like a 70 jillion member Twitter following as opposed to the fucking seven people who are unfortunate enough to follow this show. Adam, welcome to Cognitive Distance. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very gentlemen, much. Gentlemen, this man clearly does not know us. This is great. Like, there's a level of disconnect <laughs> We're here. We're still in the honeymoon already... phase with Adam. Right. So, that yeah. doesn't last long. No, That's it doesn't. No. Shit. Yeah. The honeymoon phase lasted about an hour and a half. <laughs> and then it was the annulment phase. And then the desperate scan of the prenup phase. Uh. And then the uh, sad resignation <laughs> that I've been milking for 13 years. Oh, oh shit! Oh, that's depressing. So, oh, gosh, how does how does anyone get a word in on your no show? No one does. Why would no they? one does? Yeah. No, it's I don't even get a word in, Adam. <laughs> I don't even get a word in. I'll show myself out. <laughs> it does not help that I've been drinking all <laughs> afternoon. Uh, and by afternoon, I mean morning. So the first story we're going to cover comes from the Raw story. Talking to your mic. Jesus fucking I'll Christ. Fucking stab your fucking heart. Fucking, my God. <laughs> I'm going to give these. No, what? Fuck you. You take these. You listen to yourself. Right. I probably sound good. You let me, don't. Let me hear this. Every time you turn away from the fucking mic. God All right. damn it. Shit. Minnesota pastor <laughs> told girls he could, quote, take the demons out. And raped them from year four years from years four, four years. years four years yeah right four yeah come on a sixty one year old sixty one year old what is this picture of then it's like from him forty years ago why is there a picture on the raw <laughs> hold on a minute I'll pause for just a second look at this picture this guy looks thirty five he 40. looks pretty young admittedly. I mean he's had, and the crotch and work done yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got the Nicole Kidman forward in store. <laughs> He's on. He put that fucking shit on layaway. Look at that shit. <laughs> I mean, the jacket is sixty-one years old. Look at that fucking that bronze jacket. alligator skin. I'll tell jacket. you, if you stuffed that jacket, I would sit on it. <laughs> I would absolutely sit on that jacket. Where do they grow bronze alligators? <laughs> this is Australia. Are you kidding me? It's from Australia. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's a sixty-one-year-old Minnesota pastor was charged this week with raping two girls. For nearly a decade. Ah, just a decade? That's one way to get the demons out. The thing is, you got to flush them out of there. Because they'll lodge way up, you know? When the demons <laughs> oh, get no. up there, they get... I mean, they really get like a fucking toehold in there. <laughs> so it's like an ejaculate power washer? Is that exactly. what he... Exactly. Like, okay. you, you set right. that fucking shit to stun and just... <laughs> And blast them on there. Oh, I'm not no. wearing these headsets anymore. They're hurting yes. my ears. Fuck that. Yeah. Listeners can eat my dick. Yeah. <laughs> you suck. So, Adam, this story, uh, pretty great. I mean, it's pretty great. You got to admit, you love this story. Big fan of the pump action pasta. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a busy boy. So what's he been up to? The girls are now aged 14 and 16, and they told their mother about the relationship, which is 
probably the first step towards healing. Yeah. It says in the story that the younger of the two girls told the Midwest Children's Resource Centre that this gentleman began digitally penetrating her at the age of six. So I'm guessing that that's not via the digital means of binary. <laughs> More... <laughs> And pregnant. Oh, right. That's a sad story. If the, I mean, in his defense, like let's let's point counterpoint. This will be good. Right. I mean, he did tell her that. I mean, there's two. There's really two points he's got working in his favor. First of all, the devil was inside of her. He said so himself. And as a man who wasn't goes, wait, hold on, hold on. Wasn't he inside of her? Well, shush. <laughs> I mean, you it's, know, we like, can't get hung up on the semantics. Know, you know, as a man who goes by Jacoby Preacher Man <laughs> on his Facebook page, this is a man with a claim to legitimacy. Hell yeah! He started off in a pretty friendly, sort of touchy feely, fingery sort of way, <laughs> and then, but then as the demons became more potent, right. I, I would think. Yeah, you got to go to the. He fist began then. working up to, you know, playing hide the penis yeah. in the underage yeah. young. Lady. Eventually, got to work your way up to the fist. I think you right. know that's the only thing the demons understand really is the fist. Well, they do, and they're, they're terrified right. of pastor penises. <laughs> pastor, this is the only way to frighten them out of people. You know, I hate to say this, but it kind of looks like Wayne Brady from Whose Line he Is kinda It Anyway. He kind of does. He kind of actually does. He's yeah, sort of got this like predatory, creepy like. I'd fuck a six-year-old sort of Wayne Brady thing going on. This is like your child molester's like like holiday photo is what right. that looks like. It totally is, dude. It's a it's a it's a six-year-old rapey girl uh, glamour shot. <laughs> oh no, they like, call that the money shot, Tom. I don't know if you want to. <laughs> he got this done at the mall. He's like, oh, I'm thinking of something like I have hobbies, you know, like I fuck children. And I wear a lot of rings. So, oh, also alligators. He does have a lot oh, of rings. Oh, he does. Yeah. yeah, when he fists, I, mean, I bet you that's painful. Okay, so Adam, Oof. lots of people, especially on Twitter, when you confront people, etc., will say things like, hey, why do you care so much what other people believe? Why do you care so much what happens in religious life? Why do you even, if, I, if there was something that I didn't believe in, I wouldn't even pay attention to it. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think this story kind of makes you focused a little bit on what people believe. But then you get the no Scotsman argument straight away. You say, okay, well, look, this, yeah. this is one of the reasons I get quite upset about the way religious thinking teaches us to just accept what's coming, so to speak. It, it's absolutely abhorrent, the things that people in positions of power are able to do to young kids just by saying, oh, there's this non-specific, ill-defined demon within you. And this is the only way we can get it out of you. But it's not just this story. These stories happen every day. And you guys have now 128.2 podcasts <laughs> <laughs> as testament to this. And, and the people who we're discussing this with on Twitter and debating on the internet and Reddit and so forth, they just don't... This stuff just washes off their back. It, it, right. It's not something that, okay, it didn't affect me. And therefore, oh, you know, he wasn't acting in the way of a, of a proper Christian. Well, and, and do they do they pass it off too as saying like, okay, well, yeah, but he's like a Pentecostal and I'm a Christian, or you know, or something. You know what I mean? Like, do they pass it off into another sect of Christianity and say, well, I'm a Catholic and he's a Pentecostal, so that doesn't really apply to me? Uh, look, it's hit and miss. Sometimes you get that, sometimes you don't. Um, but typically, it's 
it, it, they'll do whatever they have to do to absolve themselves of of the situation because they I think everyone has the enough rational thought within them to understand that this is um, this is something that's real it's taking place I've been in the same position as perhaps these victims were in terms of what I'm prepared to accept perhaps what I'm trying to say is because it's so ill-defined overall it's very easy to cherry-pick as to what you believe and what you're prepared to accept what occurs to me is there's no secular analog to this, right? You know, you, you look at a power structure like a priest or a pastor, and they are the ultimate arbiter of right and wrong. And there's no secular equivalent to the ultimate arbiter of right or wrong, right? I mean, there's, certainly there's other power dynamics that, that are abused in the secular world, right? Teachers get accused of this all the time, Um there are other power dynamics where grown-ass men and women take advantage of children, for certain. I mean, that's just a thing, right? Because power dynamics are a tricky, uh, they're, they're tricky business, and they are often exploited. But there is no secular power dynamic that says, I am the ultimate arbiter of right and wrong. I am the keeper of moral uh, aptitude and ineptitude. Mm. I am, I am, uh, there's no moral equivalent to this. So it, it occurs to me that that's why this is the easiest power dynamic to exploit. You know, if I'm a history teacher and I want to exploit my power dynamic over my student, I can't really say, well, you know, fucking let's talk about Napoleon and the Battle of Waterloo. Also, I'd kind of like you to suck my dick. But, it, but also in teaching, you don't have institutionalized cover-ups of... Uh... Right. You know, I, I wouldn't imagine somebody else in your history department's prepared to step up and say, "Oh, look, minor indiscretion. Fair enough. You're trying to <laughs> you're trying to hose the spirit of Napoleon out of this poor child." Oh, no, let's. Um, oh, but, it's your own little Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> Let me move you to a different school. No? Yeah, this is a private education that you're getting. Um, you know, but I mean, it's serious. Seriously, like because. Because the secular, the, the only secular equivalents are much more uh, shoehorned. They're much more specific. They don't have this sort of broad, overreaching, overarching kind of uh, moral equivalency that pastors and priests sort of have. They can say, you know, hey, this is a thing. You got a devil. The devil's bad. I got to get it out of you. Here's how we do it. So not only am I an authority figure, but I'm an authority figure that gets to speak to a part of you which is fundamental to your identity. Your closest secular comparison to, say, the church would have to be government. But it's not a single decision maker. There's no one person at the top apart from your... Um, OK, so you've got your pope. Your, your equivalent would be your prime minister or president or whatever. But even those people are held accountable by common law. Yeah, and, and and also and also I'm sorry for interrupting, but also another another stark difference is, is they're not the arbiter of the will of that supreme being, right? So when I when I go to like the president is interpreting a constitution, a bunch of people can have a different opinion on it. But if you're a priest and you're saying to someone who is clearly looking to you for guidance of what you know some imaginary being saying. They're, you're basically saying, well, I have to trust what this priest has to say because he's the arbiter of what that God wants. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a free pass to do and say whatever you will, and you're speaking on behalf of a divine third party. I put up a tweet yesterday about this uh, to a gentleman who goes by the Twitter handle Mr. Oz Atheist and said that he, um, 
because we've got this big issue with gay marriage in Australia and it's the religious parties that are holding us back in the 18th century here and not allowing people equality. And I said that... Uh, how, did I, how did I put it? You know, if God wanted to have his say on gay marriage and for, to not allow it, then why doesn't he tell everybody in exactly the same fashion rather right. than through a third party who has an agenda. Well, I mean, that's why we've cleared up the issue here in the States. I mean, we don't have that problem. Yeah. Here in America, we've oh, yeah. got the uh, homosexual issue. I mean, it's pretty clearly decided. Absolutely, yeah. I we, mean, we, we don't just, have... We hate them. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I mean, like, we just, <laughs> oh, we just hate all of them. And... You know, I, I do want to point out, it, this is from the Raw story. This is an accusation only. He did have some things to say in his defense, and I think... Oh, they're good. They, they're good, too. Yeah. Right. I, I believe... <laughs> I want to, because hey, look, look, I'm a fair this guy. This is fucking embarrassing for a United <laughs> States. We're on the fucking phone with somebody who is just right now smirking evilly at us. I can tell. Well, no, see, maybe we should do this as a little bit of role play. Oh, I like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah you I like spank me during this? Because I'm kind of interested right. in. Adam, I'm willing to do this with you. My safe word is tangerine, okay? <laughs> so. <laughs> Radio. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> Cecil, could you be the uh, the young victim in this instance? Uh, I, fucking a, I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh goodness, yes. Uh, Tom, I'd like you to play a sixty-one year old who looks like a thirty-five year old rapist. <laughs> done a, and done, my it's friend. Not a, it's not well, an issue for Tom either. Let me, so let me get the keys to my van. <laughs> And I'll just be the cold touch of the law. <laughs> now, word for word. I'm so uncomfortable with this. Oh, no. So, Cecil, I'd like you to come to me and uh, uh-huh. and just, just explain what's happening. how it starts. Happened. Just use a lot of lube. That's all I'm saying. Just use a lot of lube. Well, he, he put his penis in me is essentially what I'm going to tell you right now. He put his penis Minnesota in... Minnesota's a lady state! <laughs> And ladies what and does gentlemen, that even mean? Is that like ladies' night? Like, what does that even mean? Ladies and gentlemen, that is word for word what he said. <laughs> you weren't there. Nobody was there. He reportedly said. Get your warrants. Do what you got to do. No DNA. None of that. <laughs> what does that even mean? No DNA. What does ladies' state mean? Like, like ladies are half price in the state? Like, I don't, what does that mean? Well, listen. In my defense, <laughs> they're not really kids. <laughs> They have the mind of the adult. Now, so all the woman has to do in Minnesota is make an accusation, <laughs> true or false, and the man's gonna get in trouble. What the fuck? I hate Minnesota so much. But it's a lady state. I don't even understand. What does that mean? Hold on, you're a victim. Why are you trying to justify this? But I, I, no, I'm not even just. What do you mean by lady state? <laughs> it means Minnesota wears a dress. Because you're the law. God damn it! That's what you said you're playing. <laughs> Minnesota wears a dress. Okay, fair yeah, the, enough. It is kind of shaped like a lady, too. Guys, no, it's not. the one revealing line there... It's like a box. ...that really gives away the position of the 61-year-old um, kitty fiddler is that where he says that they have the mind of the adult. Sure, yeah. six-year-olds Sure, do. six-year-olds, yeah. yeah right. I, I have a six-year-old. He has the mind of a four-year-old. <laughs> but the, girls, the girls are now 14 and 16. People, you know, kids in that position. If he's saying they've got a, a the mind of an adult, it's because they were forced to have the mind of an adult. 
kids right. shouldn't have to think about this sort of stuff. Right. Well, they also have a they also have the sexual organs of an adult because he's sticking the sexual organs of an adult inside well, of them. Well, newborns so, do too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a <laughs> and I died inside. Yeah. So there we go. That's the end of that. But yeah. he he has put them in a position where they've had to mature more rapidly where they than they otherwise would have. They've had to come to terms oh, with absolutely. things. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And otherwise yeah. would. So, uh, yeah, that's his justification. You know, they had the mind of an adult, Your Honour. It was fine. <laughs> it's okay. They can, they can fend for themselves like they have been for the last 10 years. I'm quite confident that defense is going to fall apart. <laughs> I'm, no legal, I'm no legal expert, you know. I'm a, I'm a fat guy in Illinois with a degree in English lit. So, I mean, I'm unqualified to speak on all subjects. But I'm quite certain that that argument is going to fall on deaf ears. Here's to hoping, right? Goodness gracious. Just to the very end of the article, because he hasn't been arrested yet. He's not behind bars. No, a warrant's been issued for his arrest. He faces 30 years in prison for each count. Um, but he's out of town for a funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm just, sure he'll yeah, come he's back. Out, he's out of town. Yeah, he'll be back. So if you want to hear more about uh, Adam from Twitter, Questionable Adam or uh, Adam Reeks uh, on Twitter, we're going to have him on at the end of the show. We're going to have a a few minutes, I would say maybe 40 or so minutes, depending on how long we run here, without Adam. But uh, but don't worry. If you came here listening for him, he's going to be on uh, near the end of the show when we do an interview with him. So Cecil, I want to talk about this story. This comes from the Raw story. Christian Talker. I love that, by the way. Just a talker. He's a talker. He's a talker. He's a talker. Yeah. Rape and incest exceptions are like allowing unfettered Muslim abortions. Um, this is a guy who's like, he's legitimately a fucking all or nothing guy, right? <laughs> like, at some point, I just have to say, like, okay, you've taken a stance. Right. Like, you believe well, 100% that this is a bad, and you're buying into your own bullshit in a way that nobody else is buying into your bullshit. And his argument is basically saying, like, hey, look, if you're going to give an exception to rape and incest survivors then you should give exceptions to other minor you know other groups of people like muslim people for example i okay even when you explain it like that yeah did i do a good job i still don't even understand the argument no no okay wait i can help you no you can't see so i fucking anticipated this god damn it all right all right so find a heavy blunt object (laughs) and cave in the front of your skull (laughs) <laughs> oh just like I, a tire iron or a buick f- i mean a buick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one thing i do kind of agree with on this okay now i will admit he says uh it if you are pro-life with exceptions you are just pro-choice with fewer choices right and i agree with that statement True. you yes. are pro-choice with fewer choices and i think that there's no reason to be pro-choice with fewer choices. Like there's, I mean, you're actually singing the song I'm singing. You're, I mean, this is a song of my people. <laughs> I'm okay with what you're saying. This is a song of my people. Like I'm, I am fine with it. Like uh, fucking, uh, I like really. The, you, what you want as a woman is the opportunity not to be treated like a goddamn baby factory. Right. Like, you know, what you want as a woman is to be able to be like, look, I have rights too, and this tiny clump of cells with no fucking autonomy is going to get excised from my body because I don't want to have to be stuck with another human being once this grows to its full size. Once it gets to a point where it's viable outside my body, I'm going to have weird issues about, you know, whether or not it gets terminated. So I'm not going to let it get to that point 
point, it's just a tiny fucking blot of fucking blood and fucking goo right now. <laughs> so I'm going to get it out of my body just like as if I were, you know, peeling a scab or whatever it is that you're doing. Right. I'm not saying the fucking miracle of goddamn life is a scab. So don't send us emails about you fucking called my baby a scab. OK, because I didn't. Warts. Babies, are, <laughs> babies, babies are, are different. Warts. They're Skin warts. warts. They're yeah. not scabs. No, but, you know, I mean, I just. Seriously, like it's just it's just a clump of cells at that point. Like, and, and it's just a clump of cells for a really long time. I know. It's not like it's a clump of cells for like a magical six and a half moments. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, we fucking we missed the window where it was four and a half hours and it was fucking just cells. No, it sells for a really long time. I know, dude. Look, my wife is pregnant now. Like right now, right like now, actively. Yeah. In the middle of fucking being a pregnant person. And right. I'm just like. It doesn't have a brain yet. Right. You know, it just doesn't. It's it, like, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, different people have different take on it, and that's okay. That's part of why this is a gray area issue. But for me, I'm like, well, it, has it developed a brain yet? No? Okay. Well, you know, until it develops a brain, it is the idea of a life, it is the potential for a person. It's not the same thing as like if I walked up to my six year old and was like, well, I'm just going to kill my six-year-old. Like, it's not the same. You can't say that. Like, this thing the size of a fucking grape tomato at this point. Yeah. That has, like, fucking limb buds and a tail yeah. and no brain is not the same thing as my six-year-old who can read a little. Right. Like, it's not the same. <laughs> well, for one thing, there's life insurance on the six. So. <laughs> no, but but when I mean. Someone in the house has to read a little. <laughs> None of these guys have fucking vaginas. You know what I mean? None of these guys have a... There's not an issue. If this guy fucks around on his wife, there's not an issue that's going to keep him with that baby. You know what I mean? Like, because guys in our society leave babies behind constantly. Sure. There's yeah. bastards all over our society. So, you know, we just leave them just like fucking it's leavens on the plate. It's the gravy that's left over after <laughs> we're done. So, so don't start like being like, oh, well, you know, I care about every human life. Bullshit. So this story also comes from... No, this one doesn't come. This comes from Right Wing Watch, see? So I can't read words good. South Carolina Senate candidate itching to refight the Civil War. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. Again, I want to point out... Senator? Yeah. Yeah. What? So is the top Tea Party primary challenger, State Senator Lee Bright, who thinks the income taxes... Something out of Nazi Germany, Cecil. The income tax. Nazi what? Germany. Yep. Concerned about women with nice nails and pocketbooks. This is just crazy. I don't even know how to read this. I don't even know how to read this. But the part I like of this, when, I like women with nice nails though too. I, right? Yeah. And a nice pocketbook. Nice pocketbook is even better. Someone's gotta pay for my fucking double stack habit. You know, like <laughs> Hell, Someone's got to pay me. the trainer to come by and spray me down with a power washer <laughs> and scrub me with a giant broom. That Look, has to happen. And I need my outside time, too. Those defibrillators, <laughs> they don't charge themselves. Yeah, they don't buy okay. themselves. That's yeah. for sure. I've got that permanently installed yeah. at this point. Um, in a series of speeches to Republican and Tea Party gatherings, Bright has riled up crowds, Cecil. Riled. Riled. They're super entranced. By They're this. totally riled. And by crowds, they mean his mom. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't his know, is mom, your mom his a sister crowd? and his cousin. Right. Depends yeah. on her size, really. I'm fucking all yeah, of them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a big state rights guy. Like, yeah. he's talking to his yammer jammer. Is that what they about, call that? Right. Yeah. That's something. Why don't you take your Second Amendment? Look, the Second Amendment is good for fucking hunting pheasants. Yeah. <laughs> really good for that. 
It's good for it's good uh, for shooting burglars, burglars, deer, deer, brown people right. in general. Brown. Oh. oh no, oh no, but it is. Right. I mean, it, we're yeah, a terrible they, country. No, that, I mean they exercise their Second Amendment rights on the west side of Chicago nearly every day. <laughs> I mean, those Shit. people they love their Second Amendment rights. That's just quite terrible. That's it awful. really is. I, you know, okay, so I just want to read a little bit about what this guy said. You were saying about the Nazi Germany thing, but this is where he gets into that. He says. At a gun rights rally in front of uh, the South Carolina State House in January, Bright, Bright, I like that his name's Bright, stood uh, before two Confederate flags to offer his view oh, there you that go, while Cecil. he finds slavery, quote, morally reprehensible, unquote, President Lincoln's Revenue Act of 1862, which introduced progressive income tax in order to fund the Union, Union Army, quote, was when government started becoming God and taking over this country, unquote. So that's where I think the, the, the evil comes in. He doesn't look, he likes Lincoln. He loves that. He freed all those Brown people. He's totally down with all that. Sure. Yeah. He's it's a progressive just, guy. Look, it's just the income tax thing. Yeah. That's, that's bothering as he stood between two Confederate. Right. Right. I mean, they, and they weren't offensive for Confederate flags, Tom. Yeah, no, no, this is a, this is not a white pride. This is a state pride thing. Right. It's I don't very, know. it's very different. You know, when Lincoln forced the war of northern aggression on the southern states <laughs> <laughs> in order to uh, force an income tax right. on uh-huh. the people, sure. that's when the government started becoming God. Because yes. before that, God actually got the income tax. <laughs> so, I was just so sick of getting every little check. I just told the government, send them all to the government. They'll send me one big check. You know, like those big checks you get on the game shows. They send one of those up every month and it's very nice to get i like though because i take it to my very big bank <laughs> and the thing is god actually is a flat taxer right yeah right. he's a you know he's a flat I, earther I, too <laughs> I, I don't like i believe in a flat tax i'm like i voted for ron paul yeah. <laughs> ron paul okay and also by the way these people don't like obama because i'm saying then he accused president obama of wanting to be quote unquote king I'll say what my forefathers said, he added. No king but Jesus. Well, there you go. Well, that forefathers. I like that these like nondescript forefathers said no king but Jesus. Which one? Shh. shh, I'm not telling you which one. It's a secret. Don't talk. It's a secret Jesus. Fuck you. It's like a secret Santa. He even offers to die. But he just nails you to a cross. Did you see in this here? He's like, he's like, you know, it's I mean, he says something, I can't find the quote, and I'd look for it, but I've been drinking that. He's, he says something like, you know, I'm not going to live long enough. He says, you know, my people wonder, like, what am I going to tell my children? What am I going to tell my grandchildren? He had children? And his response oh. is, I know, right? Like, that's a guy whose fucking sperm factory needs to be no fucking kidding, bankrupt. Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm for abortion in this guy's case, for Somebody sure. Somebody should go back and abort him. Yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> But he says, like, that's not going to be a problem for me because I'm going to basically, he says, I'm, you know, I'm like, my goal is to die fighting the government. Yeah. Okay. What? You know, good for you. That's ineffective. I like this. I'm going to finish with this here. It says, it says, one audience member responded to the criticism of Obama by shouting, vote him out. Another can be heard responding, vote with guns. <laughs> that's not how you vote. <laughs> that's not how you vote. Hanging chads, indeed. Oh my goodness! You just got to shoot the. You got to shoot the correct spot on the ballot. Is what you got. You basically you <laughs> you be- you pin your ballot <laughs> like fifty feet away from you, and if you can hit who you want in an office, then you get to vote. But if you can't, then you then it, evidently you're just your vote is forfeit. That's how Yosemite Sam votes. <laughs> like you just walk in, you're like. <laughs> 
just start fucking shooting up. Sassafrasin ballot box. So in Slate, they have a piece uh, on .com. Santa Claus should not be a white man anymore. And when I saw this headline, I kind of laughed and I said, oh, this is so ridiculous. Yet another person claiming it's racist to have a white Santa, you know? And by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white, but this person is just arguing that, that maybe we should, we should also have a black Santa. But, you know, Santa is what he is. And just so you know, we're just debating this because someone wrote about it, kids. So this story comes from crooksandliars.com. Fox News. I saw this fucking everywhere, by the way. Um, Fox News host Megyn Kelly assures children, Jesus and Santa are both white men. What? Well, then now we can all fucking rest easy. She says, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. But this person is just arguing that maybe we should also have a black Santa. But Santa is what he is, she says. And for all you, and then she says, just because it makes you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it has to change, you know? I mean, Jesus was a white man, too. He was a historical figure. That's a verifiable fact, as is Santa. I just want the kids watching to know that. And Cecil, the first thing I thought was, what fucking kids are watching this shit? <laughs> like, what kids like, oh, I'm, hold on a minute. Mom, can you, Mom, can you turn off fucking SpongeBob? I got to put on Megyn Kelly. She's on Fox and Friends. Right. I can't miss this. I want to hear what her take is. Like, this is the worst episode of Transformers ever. <laughs> right? Like, Mom, hang on. Can we watch Fox News? The Fed might be uh, reducing its bond buying program. <laughs> and that affects fucking... I, rates yeah. might go up, yeah, bitch. Ma- turn the goddamn channel off. <laughs> You know, I mean, you could when you watch this video. There's clearly a play. You got a you're coughing there again. <coughs> I was trying to sneak that one. Jesus too. Christ! I'll kill you. Fucking cough. If I don't cough through it, we're in the same room, by the way. So I'm going to get the fucking plague that gives him the cough. You that's love like the, everybody loves the plague. The, the boobos are good. Everybody like, loves the the cough too. It turns good. out it's not contractible. No, it's not. Anyway, so uh, here's here's the thing. Like, there's a clear moment in this where she's. You know, she's doing the wink and the nudge to the audience like, oh, hey, kids, if you're listening, this is Santa's for real. But this person said yada, yada, whatever. OK, I get that. I understand that she's not calling Santa a real person when she's talking about this. Right. She's clearly making a point about whether or not we should have a black Santa or a white Santa and how Santa's always white. And why shouldn't he be white? And it's like, of course, lady, you're white. You never grew up under privilege. You don't know what it's like to walk in and be like. I just don't know what this tradition means because evidently only white people can give gifts. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I understand where they come from. I mean, if you imagine growing up Hispanic, imagine growing up black and I'm not saying like, you know, I know people are like, Oh man, well don't be a bleeding heart or whatever. But look, look, there's, there's an image related to poverty. You have your own image. You have your own ideas about who's around you and what, you know, what your life is like. And when you see the idyllic world and you see the, you know, everybody's sitting around drinking Coca-Cola with fucking polar bears with fucking hats on and you're just like, okay, well, this isn't my life. This isn't the life that I lead. I live in a fucking, I live in a terrible part of town. I have to fucking look over my shoulder every moment that I'm walking home, et cetera, et cetera. This is a very different life that these people lead. But the problem is, is that the commentators have grown up in these fucking, these, these, these places that are so far removed from real life that they would make a statement like this and be like, I don't care that it's insensitive. My kid's white, therefore Santa's white. Exactly, dude. And, and you know, you look at this and it's like, you know, and I have to say it. I know that it's. I know it's beating a dead horse at this point. I know everybody in the audience knows, but like, there's no way Jesus was white. I know. Come on. Like, if there was a Jesus, he would be the only fucking two thousand year old Aramaic speaking Middle Eastern 
fucking Jewish white guy. Right. You know, it's it's a ridiculous idea. But the the point is, and the reason that that white people think Jesus was white is the same people that brown is the same reason that brown people want there to be a brown Santa, right? Is because if you're going to imagine a mythical character in whom you place tremendous emotional stock, you want a way to identify with that character. And the way to identify with that character is to make that character fucking like you, right? You want that person to be like me. I need right. this person to be like me. It's because a if validation. Right. If they're like me, then I can identify and I can say, you know, there's something about this, this hero myth that I can identify with, and I can someday aspire to heroism myself. And if I'm unable to do this, it's a fucking basic Joseph Campbell shit. Like, if I'm unable to do this, <laughs> then, then I have a, and I experience a tremendous disconnect with my ability to, to, to be a part of the larger cultural narrative. Would you, would you experience cognitive dissonance? You may indeed. Boom, what? bitches! <laughs> we need to record in the same room more often. Oh, God. No, we don't. You don't no. have to smell you. So. <laughs> I showered three weeks ago. <laughs> I will say, I, I totally agree with you, Tom. I'm fucking one hundred percent. I mean, like, like you know, the thing is, is, is you know that there's people when they go to the mall, right? And they're from that affluent neighborhood, and they grew up, and you know, they, they, all they do is surround themselves around with, with you know, people of the same color. They're all white or whatever, and then they, you know, they love how diverse their neighborhood is because it has like one Hispanic kid in it. You know what I mean, like. <laughs> And they're just like, oh, well, isn't it nice how they can come over and like have buy a house now over by us or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, we there's had a, tamales for yeah, Christmas. We're was, like, just uh, like them. Yeah, we're just like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know that they're saying under their breath when they go to the mall, if there's a black Santa, they're just like, oh, what is a black Santa? What's with the black Santa? And the thing is, is like, here's the thing when there's a black Santa and you're a white person and you go up and you go and there's a black Santa, maybe your kid asks you a question like, mommy, why is Santa black? Well, guess what? That's the same question all the fucking black people have to fucking feel. I know, right? You're a dick. Oh, be nice. Oh, my son doesn't stand a chance. The whole world's gone gay. Oh my God, what's happening now? We work hard. We play hard. <laughs> So this next story is from Right Wing Watch. Conservative Catholic group ties Illinois tornadoes to gay marriage. I'm fucking sick of gay tornadoes, Cecil. <laughs> you have any idea how exhausting Man. living in... First of all, I kind of like them. I watch a lot of gay tornado porn. To be honest I, with you, I mean it's it's like it's like on my favorite bar at home. I just, just watch. I constantly just watch tornadoes. Fucking. <laughs> It's like, hey, man, it's look, they're deep. You can fit a lot in them. You know what I mean? That's absolutely. It's a funnel cloud for a reason. That's a twister. (laughs) Hey, yo. (laughs) The American needs Fatima? What? I don't know. That's what it says. A project of the right wing American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. Wow. Or you can also abbreviate that as the acronym ASDIF to is linking the tornadoes that hit Illinois um, to the state's recent approval of a marriage equality bill. Um, and he just he's just asking the question, Cecil. Right. He's just chucking it out there. Right. Do you think the massive Illinois tornadoes are linked to the passing of the same-sex marriage bill? The massive tornadoes that hit Illinois after the passing of the same-sex marriage bill has stimulated many people to reflection. I know it's stimulated Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> Close the door when I'm watching those videos. 
You see, so there's got to be something to this. Well, I mean, I mean uh, of course there is because – and I'm going to give you two reasons. One, of course that these two things are connected because the moment the legislation was passed, the very second the legislation was passed, the tornadoes hit. The very second. I mean it was like as soon as the gavel came down in the state senate, the tornadoes hit. I mean it was it was almost like it was fucking on geological time or whatever, like atomic time. Where and so boom, boom, and it happened right away. And Tom, let me add that it happened. The tornadoes happened to touch down in the epicenter of Illinois politics, Washington, Illinois. So those are the two reasons <laughs> that I am saying it's not called Washington, <laughs> Illinois right. for nothing. Tom, it's Washington, Illinois. I so, just got confused. <laughs> I thought it was Washington, Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I thought I was going to send it all the way over to the District of Columbia. Did I send the tornado to the wrong place again? <laughs> oh, man. There's an easy way to test this theory, right? All you have to do is have a tornado that strikes immediately when something happens at an actual significant moment, number one, and number two, in a place that it's actually significant. Right. In this case, neither fucking happened. No, I mean, look, it, it definitely, how many, I mean, I don't know much about this tornado, Cecil, so you'll have to fill me in. How many state senators were hit by that tornado? I assume it was most of them. How, do you know how many state senators were hit by that tornado? Uh, let me kind of one zero. How many governors? Hold on, no, hold on a second. Of, There's like four or seven. Is there seven governors in Illinois? Illinois has a seven governor. Seven governor system. system. None of the none true. of the governors. Yeah. No. And then mm. we only have one governor, and he was not hit. Right. I do because if you didn't say that, we would get fucking I emails. Know, people like, There's no seven governors. Y'all don't know anything about governorship. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, it's it would a, say exactly that too. It's a joke. It's hard to type that. Well, the thing is, is I read every email in that voice. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the email says. I just read it in that voice. So we're taking a break. Because fuck, I gotta I'm put tired up with Cecil. Now. I gotta go do a thing. I'm gonna take a smash real quick. Cecil has to put up with me, so it's pooping time. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll return in a minute with Adam from the herd mentality and from the Twitters. If you haven't heard, Cognitive Dissonance is now part of the Secular Programming Network. Uh, Secular Programming Network has several different facets. One of them is launching – it actually launched yesterday. Uh, It is the Secularite magazine. Now, that's an app on the iTunes store. It's available on Apple Newsstand. The uh, Secularite magazine is going to cost $2.99 an issue. It's $29 a year. they got some really high-profile writers that work, work for them. Uh, they also have uh, other writers that are uh, not as well known, but really good writers there that work for secularite.com. So all those people are going to be uh, producing a, uh, a magazine, an iPad magazine, iPhone magazine uh, for the secular community. If you want to support secular news and uh, and that sort of thing, this is a great way to do it. It's relatively inexpensive, $2.99 an issue, and that's per month. It comes out on the 15th of every month. The link's going to be available in this episode of the show notes. So uh, go to dissonancepod.com, show 129, no matter what Tom says, it's 129. And uh, and you'll be able to uh, click the link to go to iTunes to uh, to download it to pay for it. Um, it's supporting the secular community, and uh, and if that's something you're interested in doing, this is something that you should probably look into. So this comes from the raw story. You see where I was trolling from this week. This guy, um, Republican official, 
Silver McGray hair. What's up? <laughs> Never trust a person with their hand on their chi- with their chin on their hand. Never trust them. It, they're because they're always either going to lie to you or seduce you. Those yeah, are the right? two things that are going to happen. I kind of want to have sex with this man right now. <laughs> of course, wouldn't look at this guy. Wow, he's what a silver hair fox. He's a silver hair fox. Look at that. Love to rub my hand through that giant mane of hair. <laughs> Republican National Committee officials said last week that same-sex couples shouldn't receive partner health care benefits because gay men die young oh, and only game the system to receive care. Ah, yes, the old gaming the system where people want medicine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember that time you were like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm really, really ill with a virus. I'd like a medicine for that. Oh, are you trying to game the system? I don't know. Is the system a system where you give me medicine because I'm sick? Because if so, I'm gaming the system. Oh, man. They just stand outside of like an emergency room and yell at people coming in for stitches because they're (laughs) gaming the system. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, and also this is this is rehashing the old narrative like gay people are unhealthy. Right. Right, I mean, like what you're saying is you're saying, look, if you're gay, you're susceptible to these nasty, icky cootie diseases. (laughs) That's what it is. I mean, it's all it is. Right. You're just like they they have cooties and they're going to die. It's it's the cooties. (laughs) So. holy shit dude i never thought of it that way but it's totally a fucking cooties it is it absolutely is and that's i mean it's pathetic it's what it is you know like we talk about those guys all the time that demonize other groups right this is a demonizing you're just doing it in a different way you're like well these people have these nasty weird germs that you don't you would never get unless you gay it up like that's the only way you get the fucking gay germs if you're gay right and then if you're gay and you get the gay germs then you want to get you know, well, then you're gaming the system by, by, you know, being gay. And he does have, you know, he does have a point. He says, folks, they want free medical because they're dying between 30 and 44 years There's old. There's no gay people over 44. It's There's like none. Logan they Run. All. They're all, their, their fucking hands start blinking at a certain Whoa. point. They're like, <laughs> yeah. They're, <laughs> their heads blow up <laughs> like scanners. They have to fly around in a big area and get shot. And this is the part that kills me. He says, to me... It's a moral issue, and here we have to agree. I agree it's a moral issue. I think it is immoral to withhold medical care to people that need it. Yeah. Regardless of sexual fucking, uh, whatever, sex, what do, we, what do we call that nowadays? What's the sexual? Uh, sexual preference. Preference. Right? Well, it's, yeah. well, it's not preference, though. It's sexual just. Orientation. Orientation, orientation. is what you say. Because yeah. preference. It, it implies it now, uh, Yeah, and there's, yeah. there's a choice there. There's no choice. But there. here's the thing. I think it would be immoral to deny health care to a murderer. I think it would be immoral to sure. deny health care to a rapist. Sure. I just think it's immoral. And that's why we don't do that. Yeah. Right. And not to say that 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 homosexuals are, are rapists or oh, no, murderers. No. Oh, shit. Oh, but don't oh, get me. Yeah. yeah but not- oh, I mean, they may be. I mean, that's not like they are not. They can't be. But they I mean, not, not necessarily rapists and murderers. Right. I Yeah, please. I'm not making that. And I'm just saying, like, on the on the total end of the spectrum, like, I just think we shouldn't deny medical care. No, to people. to people, to humans, to people, to dogs, I, right? Like, I think if I, that's the thing, like if my dog was sick, you know, my dog. OK, my dog is legit. He's 17 years old. He's of the oldest fucking dog. I don't know where he's what he's doing right now, but I guarantee he's asleep. It's from like the fucking Paleolithic era. I know. Right. And he got like an ear infection. I could have just shot him. 
right? Like I could have just shot him or been like, mm, looks like he's going to. But instead, I spent several hundred dollars getting him well because, you know, I'm not a bad person. That fucking dog is always gaming the system, Tom. He's gaming the he's system. He's constantly gaming the system because you throw the system and then he comes back with it. Right. And then you throw <laughs> it like and I he keeps coming back with it. One popular thing to do in American politics is to note that the summers in the United States over the past few years have been very warm. As a result, global warming must be real. What's wrong with this reasoning? It's only gone up 0. Mm. 0.6 degrees. Yeah, it's not really a big problem, is it? No. I don't think that it's going to hurt us. So Cecil, this story comes from the raw story. Creationist homeschool curriculum isn't just inaccurate. It's really, really dumb. Um, this is, I loved this article because this, this shows the popular, some popular curriculum questions which pop up uh, within the homeschool curriculum. And I happen to have a first grader right now. And let me fucking tell you, first grade now is harder than first grade when I was a kid. First grade now is fucking bad. And that's, and that's weird because don't you always see like the fucking, the memes are not memes. I guess they're just like internet rumors that go around where they're like, this was a second grade test. And they're like doing fucking like calculus on it. And they're like, this is from 1841. And they're like, have right. to figure out like the circumference of the earth. And they give them like a, <laughs> they give them like a four inch piece of string. And they're just like, go for it. And you're like, Wait, that's it. But th- there was like, I mean, I'm sure that tons of people thought, I mean, if you look on the internet, that happens all the time that you, you know, you're familiar right. with the post, no, I right? Know what you yeah. mean. yeah. Like now there's like, they, they simultaneously try to sell you on the dumbing down of America. Um, but school curriculums have gotten much harder, like much harder. Like the kid, I got a fucking first graders halfway through first grade. He's doing not just addition and subtraction, but he's doing some basic algebraic concepts. Really? Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of cool. Like they're teaching him, you know, sort of the fundamentals of algebraic concepts at this age. And like, you know, like we'll talk like he and I will talk about like we'll be playing Legos and he'll be like, tell me a story. And I'll be like, okay. And he'll be like, well, let me set the setting. And he like uses words like, you know, setting character narrative. Like he's in first grade and he's just a kid in first grade. But if you get homeschooled, you know, if you're away from the fucking atheist utopia, that is the public school system, you get questions. Cecil, like this one, children played happily in the water spout. They are then asked to define a water spout from three examples. This is for nine or 10 year old kids. A water spout being, quote, a stream of water or two dry ducks or playground. The thing is, is if you use the, okay, like, let's just say, let's say first off, okay, I know. Well, I mean, not only is water used in the actual thing. Okay. So, but no, but that might be a trick, right? Maybe a trick. And the reason why it may be a trick, remember the, I don't know if you, when you took the standardized test, they say to replace the thing with the thing. So you're supposed to replace the, like you're supposed to place water spout with the answer. So you say the children happily played in the, a stream of water. Well, that doesn't fit. <laughs> so he's like the, ha- the children happily played in the playground that fits. So a water spout <laughs> has to be a playground. You can't play into dry ducks. So that one's straight out, but you cannot play in a, sh- it says in the uh, stream of water, the uh, stream of water doesn't work. It's yeah. No, even when you get the right answer, it's weird and awkward. It's not the right answer. Just like church. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just like church. I don't like how weird and awkward. The priest is touching me right now. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Um, I got the answer to my question, but it makes me feel weird and awkward. Well, and I think really, Tom, what this really points out is that there is this sort of insular um, 
It's like an, an insular, I think, is a great way to put it, right? It's you're insulating your children from the world around you in such yes. a way when you take these uh, these children and you take them out of the class setting and you give them homeschooling. I understand that there are, I'm sure, some plenty of people out there that homeschool their children just fine and do a great job of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But if you are a person who believes in this stuff and wants to shelter your child from other thoughts and other beliefs, you are raising an idiot. I am not, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean here, but you literally are raising an idiot person. You're raising a person who has no contact with other people's ideas. You are strictly stuck in your little place. I mean, as your child goes up, Tom, your child's going to be confronted with religious views, with political views, with all these other different viewpoints that differ from your own and differ from your wife's and are going to differ from his his own social circle and he's going to have to contend with those things he's going to have to think about them and he's going to have to be like well what the fuck these people believe in a Jesus and these people believe in a, in a fucking multi-armed God and these people believed in a, a you know in a fat guy who gives you fucking like after life after death etc so there's going to be all these different things that he's going to have to think about as he grows up and he's going to have to contend with them and that's going to make his arguments in his own mind stronger because he actually has to defend them to himself then but when you're stuck in this little little fucking tiny bubble and that's what it is it's basically the boy in a bubble you don't right. have any other yep. germs that come around you you're basically you're not inoculated against any other kind of thinking all your meal is like well mom didn't tell me that a, you know mom said that fucking a water spot was two dry ducks i mean like what the fuck you know i like the idea of building an intellectual immune system i think that that's you know like you're kind of alluding to that i like that idea of building an intellectual immune system that that lets you fend off bad ideas you know by Questioning whether those ideas sort of fit into sure. the paradigm of your of your of your worldview. Right. Um, you were talking now, about the flying spaghetti monster earlier today, right? Yeah, you know, like I have on my Christmas tree. Right? We Finn, my son, and I, we built flying spaghetti monster Christmas ornaments. He has no idea what the flying spaghetti monster is. He's six, um, but we do joke a little bit. Like we'll make little jokes. You know, I'll be like a flying spaghetti monster. That's ridiculous. Who would believe that? And he thinks it's silly, and I think it's silly. And we both laugh at it. Um, but there's something there. Yeah. There's something there. It's a fucking lot better than answering a question like um, asking a 10-year-old boy whether an envelope is, quote, a letter holder or donkey supplies. Well. Which is in the donkey. See, so what is a donkey supply? <laughs> what even <laughs> is a donkey supply? Well, it's like, it's like duck galoshes. It's the same <laughs> Hey, hey, I need a, I need some donkey supplies. Oh, here's two dry ducks. Yeah. Oh, oh fucking thanks, great. bro. I'm going to yeah. put them in the saddlebags on the donkey. <laughs> Super useful. You know, the thing is, like, why even bother? If you're going to homeschool your kids, just, just don't even, just don't, just don't. Just be like, go play Legos for like nine hours, and then we'll go to bed. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Why would you even, this is actually worse than nothing. It really is. I mean, you could, you, you would seriously learn more just by watching commercials on television. <laughs> You'd at least learn how the language works. You would at least know how to use a slap chop. <laughs> You're going to love my nuts. So we're back with Adam from Twitter. Adam, it's Adam, it's at Adam Reeks, right? Yes. Is that how you say it? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's, no, it's, I mean, I'm not making funny or anything. No. I'm just saying. 
Yeah, that's it. Bring it on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, right? <laughs> this is a man who doesn't yeah. strike me as fearful. Yeah, so he, he, runs, no. he runs a show called The Herd Mentality Podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about the podcast. Uh, a little bit about me. I'm not an expert on really anything. Uh, Welcome to the club. Basically, I, you and I are going to get along. Well, clearly we have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for the last hour and a half off air while you two tried to sort out your levels. Hey, um, now. Loads of fun. Be Should nice release to that Tom. one as an episode. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so short story, 25 words or less. Uh, had some changes in my life, decided that I wanted to take a little bit of a different tact and uh, begin speaking up about this. But rather than going and holding up placards and yelling at people, I thought I'd do some sort of thoughtful show where I get people on who I've met, complete strangers, and interview them because they're much smarter than me. I'm more interested in what they have to say than I have to think. Uh, so effectively, there's no way we can be on your show. Because you introduce everything as these are people I've never talked to, we've never talked, I've never talked to them, they never talked to me, and we're just gonna fucking wing it. Now we've 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 essentially fucking wrote ourselves off your show. Well, see, I cherry pick. I I do the same thing that the believers do with the Bible, and I just go, okay, well, they're actually quite good fun. How can yeah. I get around this? <laughs> uh, right. Well, I haven't met them in real life. Right, right. Well, there you go. And, that's because uh, we haven't been poisoned by anything uh, from Australia yet. That's not yet. That's how you know you haven't met an American. No, it's like, yeah. is he still standing? Yeah. Does he lie? Does he still have all his fucking limbs? Yeah. <laughs> it's part yeah, of him that is swollen up past where his clothing will allow it. He hasn't touched a fucking plant that makes him ache for fucking centuries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. not... He's what never a, been to Australia. You live in a fucking comical land, my friend. That's all we're saying. It is an amazing so, place. This you basically get people that you've never met to talk. How the fuck does that even? I mean, you must really edit pretty well in order to get make those conversations sound like they flow, right? Uh, yes and no. Sometimes, sometimes it's hit and miss. Uh, you you listened to one of my very early shows and and pointed out it's hit and miss. Sometimes yeah. there's people who come on, they've really got something important to say, and they're they're very eloquent in how they do it. They're very effective. I'm able to just ask a really simple question and get a long-winded response out of them. It does take a lot of editing. Um, you know, most instances, most episodes take me or the better part of a day in editing to try and get oh, continuity God. and and uh, cut out oh. all the ums and ahs because I try to make yeah, everyone wow. sound smart. Do you really? Yeah. Man, I would make I'd make people sound like fucking goobers if I didn't like them. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to make you sound terrible when we're done with this, just so you oh, know. Well, don't edit it at all. <laughs> don't worry, I'm recording on my end, so I'll edit here and uh, send it through you're to You're going to edit before it? Then it's not going to match up, man. Oh, don't do that to oh, me. You're going to kill problems. me. <laughs> He'll release the uh, unedited oh, fucking it. director's cut oh, version. Oh, gosh. Of the program. Oh, gosh. It'll basically just be me burping. That'll <laughs> so, be the whole thing. So you, you've, you've had some fun on there. The, the most recent one that you had, uh, a or maybe it was the second most recent, there was a, a group of guys, three different people from Twitter that were all believers. And you kind of just handled all three people coming at you with like all these different questions about why you were an atheist. Like, How did that go for you? Well, badly. Uh, <laughs> actually to be honest as an outside observer i did not think it went badly i think it went pretty well actually for handling three people i thought it went pretty See, well it all came about as a result of one tweet uh pastor mark i don't know if you've heard of him or if he has mm. any i don't follow no, i don't follow no. religious people so i wouldn't ah. <laughs> well i thought you guys would be 
sort of better versed on the topic than most, but, uh, you know, moving no, right along. No. no. <laughs> he, he put, we, we are generally worse versed on all, on all of the things. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There's a topic. Yeah. Opinions. Yeah, oh, God, well, yeah. The, or if not the biggest, the loudest. Yeah, loudest, yeah, the loudest is a thing. Go yeah, let's go with loudest. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to so, be a thing. Anyway, Pastor Mike put up this tweet and said, why do you give your sin to Jesus but not your money? And what? Yeah. <laughs> True story. And, of course, the hairs on the back of my neck went up and I got a little bit um, <sighs> aggravated. And I put something up, one of my terrible witty one-liner responses and he he had a whole bunch of people jump to his defense and say oh but this but this and justified it and justified it and rap, you know did the mental gymnastics i've discovered as i've been doing this because it's all a learning experience for me this podcast i'm learning as i go i'm right, getting right. better at debating i'm getting better at spotting flawed arguments and i said to the, the, a whole bunch of these people look rather than do this over twitter come on my show and ask me the questions because I think you misinterpreted what atheism is. And they did, to their credit. Yeah. And one of them was a pastor, <laughs> which was interesting. Yeah. So they all came on, asked me all these questions about, you know, how do you, how do you know what's morally right and wrong if you don't have a God telling you? I said, well, in the same way that you do, because you don't take the Bible as the literal word of God, because you wear mixed fibres, you eat shellfish, etc., etc. And... Yeah, explained it to them, but in such a way that I tried not to attack their egos, because right. I had uh, one of the things I've learned as I've going as I've been going along is I had a guest on called Michael Sherlock, who's an author, and he explained to me that the area of the brain where religious belief lies is also the same region of the brain as the ego, so they're they're intertwined. Huh. Now, if you go and attack somebody's beliefs, then that that's why they take it personally. So rather than going in there and telling them where they were wrong, I found it more effective to come to have them come on and ask me more about it. And then I was able to explain more why perhaps it's yeah. right. And they went away happy people. They probably didn't change their minds. No, probably not. a lot of people would have heard the exchange and hopefully they took something away from it. That's, that's really my contribution to this community right well it's, it's a good contribution though because i, I it reminds me of uh we just had a guy on our show by the name of peter Bo, Bo, uh bogosian yes, yes, i yes, yes. call him bogosian but it's bogosian um he talked about his book a manual for creating atheists and one of the things he says in that book is where he talks about how you're taking it away from religion you're taking it away from the ritual of religion and you're putting it into how do i understand the world and i think how do i understand the world like you said before it comes from a different region of the brain it's just a different part of you that's like okay well i understand the world in this particular way and that doesn't have anything to do with the ritual of religion or the people the connections that i have right. in that religious world i just have this uh i just have i'm now i'm thinking about how the world works and how the universe works and how i think about how that stuff interacts with each other and uh and i think that that's the smart way to do it and, and in a lot of ways i felt like what you were doing to them was getting them to think about those 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 ways in which we understand the world rather than how this is how an atheist thinks. Instead, it's just like, well, how do you think? How do you think about this stuff? And you're turning it back on them. It's almost like a jujitsu sort of thing where you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to let that power use that power against you. It really worked out pretty well. I thought, you know, you're maybe down on yourself, but I thought you did a very good job handling three people at the same time. I would I would probably crumble and just start screaming <laughs> after about thirty seconds. See, one of the 
things about Twitter is people are inherently lazy. We as atheists have probably become atheists or become more outspoken about atheism having listened to uh, your, your Hitchens, your Dawkins and listening to the way that they destroy arguments and it's it's right. done in an aggressive way. I mean, Hitchens particularly uh, just went all out. He wasn't He wasn't afraid of offending anybody and that's yeah. okay when you're on a big stage because you're going to get your message heard by a lot of people and that's inspired a lot of people. So... As I say, all the, the people who are new to this and trying their hand at debating go down the path of least resistance. They take the easiest route to getting to the, the core of the argument, which, you know, in 140 characters is often just, you're wrong, you're an idiot. And that does nothing. Right. <laughs> it does nothing right, right, right. To, uh, to change anybody's views. And all it does is, is continue the divide. So changing the way that people a- approach the uh, the arguments I think is is important. You know I think the more that people can have polite and respectful discourse about a subject and just keep asking people good questions. You know that's to me like you know I read the Bog- the Bogosian book the Bogosian <laughs> book again. You know and I I'm, I hate to go back to that but it, it just strikes me as as apropos to the subject. Then you know it, the, the more you can just turn it back around on people and just sort of ask them like well you know how you how do you know that's true? Where do you come at this? You know, and start, I mean, genuinely and, and with, with real sincerity, asking people good questions that are in good faith, questions that are in good faith. You know, I, I think you're right. Like Hitchens was a one-off. Mm. He was a, he was a one of a kind guy. But everyone wants to be a lot like of pe- him. <laughs> yeah. And nobody's like Hitchens, no. right? I mean, everybody's like Hitchens fucking diet light watered down junior Hitchens. You know, <laughs> it's not the fucking same thing. You're not that guy. Like you're just fucking not that guy. That guy died. He's just not, you're not that guy. Mm. So what you can do is just ask great questions. I mean, learning to ask really great questions is the first step toward refining your thinking, I think. And, you know, holding a quality interview and also engaging somebody on a subject that's deeply, deeply sensitive. Mm. So to that end, I guess I want to ask you, like, who's been your favorite guest? Like, who's been the guest that you've had on that you've said, man, that was I'm beside us. I'm be- so we'll take us out of the equation because I know that that was going to be well, it's, answer, it's going but- to be in the future having you guys on. Right. Um, so after that, I'll almost certainly say that it's you. Um, <laughs> But there's... I like the way this man lies. <laughs> I do. This man he's lies. A, he's a fucking spectacular liar. Quality. Real he's quality. amazing. I Bravo. Appreciate that. Bravo. This is me clapping. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. I work in sales and marketing, so I'm getting pretty yeah. good at it. <laughs> the look, the best guest, um, the most, the most emotional response I've had as, as a result of an interview is I had a a Saudi uh, sex assault survivor, a rape victim, on my show. Uh, in episode 10 and she explained to me the story a bit about how religion impacts uh, it was a one-on-one interview and I hung up the phone from that and cried that one left a, a really lasting impact on me and that, that made me want to do something else and subsequently she's moved to, to Canada uh, she was seeking to raise some money in order to prosecute uh, the the rapist from Saudi Arabia and have him extradited to wow. Canada. When she came on the show, did a little plug for it, and she then went on to achieve her fundraising goals. So we find out in January about that one. Favourite guests? Uh, there's a few recurring people who come on. Uh, one would be at Franco Soup, 
Uh, we do little skits where she, I, I play Ray Comfort and she plays Ray Comfort's assistant and they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> and there's plenty of references to eight horsepower solid gold butt plugs. <laughs> Eight horse? Why? What I love the on, specificity I like of the that horse. That you said on eight. I like that. I mean, you don't want to go ten is a little too much. It's you know, like, it's a fucking. Oh, I mean, no, gosh. At no, like, at that point, at that point, you know, basically, you're going to need corrective surgery. You know what I mean? Like, it's just ten would be ridiculous. Yeah, gosh, like, you don't want to get crazy. Goodness, you back a truck up in there after a ten. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> In, in episode awesome. 33, at the end of the show, uh, No Illusions comes on to play Joel Osteen. And, yeah, he uh, we crank it up to the full eight horsepower. Oh, nice. And uh, and hit the turbo button. And, yeah, he doesn't survive. Yeah. The <laughs> so, oh, no. It's tragic. We hardly knew you. Um, <laughs> uh, who else have I had on? I've had Ricky Gervais. Yeah. So I think you guys. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Isn't he the guy who plays Michael Scott in the British Office? Isn't that? <laughs> <who> he is? <laughs> yes, that'd be him. No. <laughs> He's never coming on our show, <laughs> so now. I can say I can say whatever I want. Uh, but uh, probably the favourite ones would be the sciencey ones, where I have scientists come on, and I, I love science. Okay, are you good at it, or do you just like it? I just like it. Yeah, see, yeah. like me, because I'm not good at it either. I'm terrible at it, but I, I like the, it. I feel the same way about podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> you're not good at that, though. Tom. I know. Like I said, I'm not good at it, but I kind of like yeah, it. Yeah, well, nobody likes you. I don't like so, it that much. Yeah, nobody <laughs> likes you. So yeah, the, the scientists come on. I ask them questions about debating creationists and so forth, uh, about what's happening in their research fields, say HIV research and so forth, and get into some nitty gritty. And I always walk away learning something. They're probably my favorite ones. You ever had Ray Comfort on your show? No. Well, I'm tempted to say yes, but it wasn't really Ray. <laughs> oh, I see, what you're, I see what you're saying. No, but like, have you ever asked him to come? Oh, you probably wouldn't, though, because you're making fun of the guy like weekly on your show about him getting a butt plug. I'm sure that there's not. I, every day I send Twitter uh, a message on Twitter to Ray Comfort, and it just says, Hi, Ray. <laughs> With an exclamation mark. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's no, I had a response. Oh. So I would oh, say that man. the chances of Ray coming on in person are unlikely. However, his likeness, which I extracted <laughs> from an interview and perhaps cut and paste a little bit out of context. Just, and no, I'm sure it's it, just It only exactly goes for two minutes. You yeah. You're welcome yeah. to chuck it in as a, as a sample of what's on the herd mentality. H- have a listen to it. Uh, I yeah. quite enjoyed doing that. It was four hours well spent in the editing room. <laughs> Great comfort. Thanks for coming on the herd mentality. It's okay. Now you wanted to come on and clarify a few points, so let's start with our credentials. You are an expert on evolution. An expert. I've never said I'm an expert. But you just said you were. But I've never really found an expert. Ah, well, I interview them all the time. I wasn't a whisper of scientific evidence. So you listened to the episodes. Can I ask what you thought of Chimatine? A tool. Godfrey World. Sinful lifestyle. Doctor Dave Hawkes. Bittersweet. What about atheist Mel? This is a really funny joke. I'm considering inviting Blessed Teen on the show. Raging hormone. Yeah, that's the guy. Fornication's okay. Matt Dillahunty. I don't want anything to do with him. Didn't you go on his show though? I don't believe in. Your God. Well, I respect the guy, but I wouldn't put him on a pedestal like that. He's a figment of imagination. I can assure you he's real. And that's why so many atheists are so irate. Probably not the main reason, but you're not even making much sense here. That's what atheism does. So you've changed your position. God doesn't exist. What are you going to do? You've got to toss out the whole Bible. Seems a bit extreme, Ray. I accept Darwinian evolution. Have you considered joining a secular group? There's no room for wimps. Pretty sure they'll accept anyone. 
Okay, let's talk about you. Recently, your Twitter handle was borrowed by someone else. We're aware of that. It wasn't long ago. What are you doing to get it back? Absolutely nothing. Your thoughts on the new account? It's intellectual suicide. Why do you say that? The new account is promoting financial donations over prayer. Well, I think they go hand in hand. But aren't you an atheist now? I've never said I'm an expert. You don't have to be. So why is it a bad thing, though? Because of the implication that comes with it. Hmm. One final question. Rumour has it that you're working on an eight-horsepower solid gold butt plug. Yeah. Prototype working yet? Yeah, it's up and running. Your first impressions? Salvation. Ray Comfort, thanks for coming on the show. Well, that's a good question. So uh, if people were going to find your podcast, where would they go? Uh, well, I'd recommend they don't for a start. But if they... <laughs> we have the same recommendation for our show. <laughs> if they had to, they could head to herdmentalitypodcast.com. And they can see some of the terrible artwork I did, drawing some silly-looking silly cows. Uh, or you can jump onto iTunes or Stitcher and just search for Herd Mentality, and you'll find me there amongst other podcasts that are also called Herd Mentality, but they discuss finance and stuff, so it's quite boring. <laughs> They're not nearly as, no. as important or right. cool as your podcast. I also want to point out that on your site, the cows blink. And that just adds... And chew. So, they chew, too. They're chewing things, which I'm, is probably their cud. I'm not, a, I'm not <laughs> an you expert on art. Hey, now. <laughs> but I feel like these are photorealistic. Yeah. <laughs> Skinny fucking Auschwitz cows, and, man. Oh, no. <laughs> They're runway ready. They um, are. My goodness. Well... It was great having you on our show, Adam. Thank you so much for joining yes, us today. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'd just like to give you an Allah Akbar if I could. Absolutely. Oh, no, yeah, can. fucking, yeah. yeah, we'll be quiet even for it. <clears throat> Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Allah Akbar. Bravo. Well done. Mm -hmm. Well done. You got the vibrato going wow. on. That's good stuff. I broke into a, 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 an improvisational jazz hands. I couldn't even control <laughs> at the end of that. <laughs> about my brief brush with Jesus. When I was a kid, I was about 12 years old, and I uh, went off to uh, a Bible camp with my uh, best friend, and she was an apostolic Christian. And we would go, and we'd pray all morning, all night, and then I think we'd play some water sports in the afternoon, but most of it was singing and dancing with what appeared to be really good-looking hip camp counselors. And I remember one night after about three hours of singing you know, to Christian rock music, uh, they'd, I'd uh, gotten kind of pulled out and I said I was ready to be saved. And I didn't really know what that meant. But uh, I just said, what do I do? And they said, just say these words, I accept Jesus in my heart. And I said, okay. So I said that. I said, I accept Jesus in my heart. And then I said, now what? And they said, that's it. You're saved. And I said, what does that mean? Well, now you're going to go to heaven. And so I was thinking, that's pretty cool. And then the first thought that came to my mind was of my mom and dad, who I love very much, and uh, who had never mentioned any sort of uh, saving with me. And I asked them point blank, I said, what about my mom and dad? I don't think they've accepted Jesus in their heart. And uh, this really cool hip counselor just uh, looked at me, and I, I asked her, and I said, does that mean they're going to hell? And she just, you know, smiled and said, yeah. 
Yeah, they are. And uh, that was a real moment where I was a little bit confused. So I uh, wasn't sure if I really had accepted Jesus in my heart or if that's just all a bunch of bullshit. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool stuff. Thank you, Glory Hole. I love this podcast. I can't get enough of it. I listen to it, like, every single day. Thank you. Bye. We got some email this week. We want to first let Tom cough if he needs to. Go ahead and cough, Tom. <coughs> there we oh, go, that buddy. Got that, felt like that Now sniff afterwards. You got to get a good right. sniff. There you go. There we go. Good right. job. Okay, Standing. so um, so uh, we got some email this time. We want to thank... By the way, uh, Scott, Jacqueline, Daniel, and John for their generous donations. Uh, money that you give us goes a long way to making sure the podcast is possible, and we want to thank you very much. Uh, this year, though, and from hopefully Monday on, I'm going to be taking down the donate button on our site. Yep. And I'm going to be replacing that donate button with a, uh, a link to the Chicago Food Depository. Now, uh, Tom and I are going to be running a small donation drive this year for local food depositories. So well, how this is going to work, uh, and I'm going to let Tom explain it in a second, but um, we are going to be urging you to donate to your local food depository, whatever that is, um, and sending us a confirmation of you donating when we reach $3,000. And last year we raised almost $9,000 for Doctors Without Borders. So $3,000, we should be able to chip that shit out of the park within a week. We yeah, we hope. should. Um, but we're running it till the end of the year. If you guys can raise $3,000 between now and the end of the year, Tom and I are going to donate 10% of that. We're going to donate $300 between the two of us to the local food depository here in Chicago, the Chicago Greater Chicago uh, Food Depository, and we will uh, that money will go directly to them. Uh, like we said, we want we're encouraging people to 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 uh to donate locally. Now Tom has an idea on how much you should donate. You know, we've we've talked in the past about the Snap Challenge. I know there's been we talked about the Panera CEO who did the Snap Challenge and some other uh, high-profile figures that have done the Snap Challenge. And um, what I'm going to do and what I encourage other people to do is take a look at your grocery budget. Take a look at you know what you guys spend in one week in groceries. Per person. Per person, yeah. yeah. And, you, know, I don't, you don't have to do this for everybody. I wouldn't do this for my child, for example. But I'm going to do this personally. I'm going to say, okay, spend X dollars. Maybe I spend a, you know, $90 a week. I don't know what my dollar amount is. In groceries for myself, for my funds. And I'm going to say, okay, well, the Snap Challenge means I have to live on $32. It's $32, right? $32. So $32. I'm going to live on $32. I'm going to allot myself $32, and I'm going to take the Snap Challenge. And the difference between what I would normally spend on my food for that week and the Snap Challenge gets donated to the food depository. And that, that to my mind, does two things. One, uh, it raises money without affecting my pocketbook, which is a win for everybody, right? I mean... I normally spend more than $32 a week on food. I can donate the difference without feeling any difference, without feeling any effect on my po pocketbook. But it also uh, makes me conscious of what it's like to be a family in need, what it's like to be a person in need during the holidays or any time of the year when you're forced to live on the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, um, when you're forced to live on $32 a week to eat, to survive, to gain your nutrition, um, I'm going to do that for at least one week. I might do that for more than one week. We'll see um, how much buy-in I can get from my wife and family <laughs> on doing it. But I'm definitely going to do it for a week. And I'm going to donate outside of the $300. I'm going to donate the difference because it's, 
it, I, I just feel like that's a good idea. It's a good way for you to get conscious of, um, you know, what you're spending on groceries, what you're spending on food, what people in need spend on food. And that difference can go pretty readily to a food depository. Just send us the receipt. That's all we ask. Yeah, just a confirmation and receipt. Because what we want to do with this is when we collect these confirmations and receipts, and you guys can block out your own uh, vital information. That's totally fine. Um, we don't need any of that stuff. All we need to do is see the amount and possibly your name, and that's it. We won't mention anybody's name on the show. If you, you know, we're not going to be mentioning people's names. We just want to see that you donated it. We're going to add it up ourselves. Send it to dissonance.podcast at gmail dot com, uh, and we will we will tally up this this total. And if you guys can get to $3,000 before the end of the month and a bigger donations, if somebody's just like, well, I've donated $3,000 and they made something in Photoshop, you know, like, look, what we'd really like to do is make sure that people get this money. Now, we understand we would like the people in Chicago to get this money, which is why we're urging you to. But again, this is local. So this is this is people you're going to be affecting people that live in your area. This isn't Doctors Without Borders where, you know, you're giving money to an entity that is going to try to help people in faraway lands, which is also a very good way to spend your 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 charity awesome dollars. Program. Yep. And we're totally down with that. But this has an effect and an impact right now, right near you. And so we're hoping that this Christmas season or holiday season or fucking whatever season that you want to call it, um, we uh, do some sort of effect. You guys do some sort of effect in your local area. So donate that money. Send us the message. If by the end of the year and as soon as it happens, as soon as somebody we breaks that $3,000 mark, we are going to donate each $150. Bucks. Um, so it's 10% goes locally here. Uh, but we we hope that you guys will take the challenge and uh, and and as Tom said, I mean that's a great way to pay attention to how hard it is to live on a tiny amount of money seven dollars and fifty or no it was four dollars and fifty cents a day is what they expect people to live on. Um, that's an I mean that's a tiny tiny amount for food. Uh, so go ahead and and donate and send us your send us your receipts. Now we got a long long voicemail Tom super long uh, super long 10 oh, like long. 10 minute voicemail from uh from Tom from Western New York. We want to talk a little bit about what Tom Tom was initially uh talking he spent he spent a lot of time on his and his voicemail talking about several things. I'm going to try to condense his argument down. I can't play Tom I apologize but I can't play uh 7 minutes long worth of voicemail on our show, but I will say that Tom said that one he didn't think that uh that he was disagreeing with Tom's position that people in the hard sciences should be in politics. He's saying that Neil deGrasse Tyson is a perfect example of that. He doesn't think Neil deGrasse Tyson would make, make a very good politician. Uh people don't like science is another thing that he said and they don't they 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 would not be convinced by a scientist. Um they wouldn't vote for a scientist. People in hard scientists may not have good public service uh, behind them or be good at public service. And he also, he ended with, we should get money out of politics. That's the most important thing. Tom, I'm going to let you go on this. I don't really have a lot to say about it. So. Yeah, so I disagree on all points. Um, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson is an example of somebody that you wouldn't vote for. That's great. There's a lot of people I wouldn't vote for, too. Um, it's, it's just one example. I know you're using it as a... Uh, representative example, but I'm not sure that it's necessarily representative. My point isn't that existing scientists should enter politics. That's not the idea. The idea is that if you want to be in politics, you must also get a degree in a hard science. So you can get a double major, a triple major. I don't fucking care. Quadruple major. But if you are going to dedicate your life to public service and you are going to be making Decisions, you need to make decisions um, with some respect for science and scientific processes. Um, and you're not going to do that without a background in a hard science. Um, so I'm not suggesting that existing scientists become politicians. 
I'm suggesting that politicians become better scientists. We're thinking about it from two different angles. Um, people don't like science. They like rhetoric. I agree. But if you're only options, right? Like, yeah. it's don't blame me. I voted for Kodos, right? Yeah. If your only option is this guy who's a, got a degree in biology and that guy who's got a degree in chemistry and they have different ideas on economics... Well, okay, who cares? They both at least have some fucking idea about the basic processes of the scientific method. So, again, it, it's not a mutual exclusivity argument. Um, hard scientists don't make good public servants. Maybe not. So maybe good public servants need to become better scientists. That's right. just easy. I mean, I'm turning it on its head here a little bit, but... Um, you, you know, we're, I'm, again, I'm not suggesting that scientists enter the political arena. I'm suggesting that the people in the political arena enter the scientific arena. Yeah, because you said, as you said earlier, when we were talking about this, you had said, well, you know, once I get into office, I no longer need permission from my constituents to vote on things. So if, if my, if, if people aren't convinced, you would say one of the things that you were saying, Tom, was that people aren't convinced by the data of, of global warming, uh, that's fine. If you have hard scientists in there who are convinced by it, they can do that voting for all the people, the constituents that are out in the, in the open. Right. And if they get voted out, the next guy who gets voted in also with the respect for science and scientific processes is just more likely. It's not necessarily. And in your, in your voicemail, you mentioned several times, necessarily, necessarily. I agree. Uh, not necessarily going to be, better off but uh we're talking about stacking the deck in in the favor of you know good policy decision making and, and good scientific decision making uh it won't work every time it will fail it will fail spectacularly on occasion um but it's about upping your average that's it's really about playing a game of averages at this point um and then you know you suggested that the real solution was to get money out of politics rokey dokey dude uh i agree get some money out of politics um, not mutually exclusive with getting science in politics. So you can do both at the same time. You know, we can walk and chew gum. These, these, these ideas are not uh, exclusive of one another. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know that I'd go as far as, as Tom would, would with saying that it's required, a required degree, but I think that a certain level of scientific knowledge is absolutely necessary when you have people on science boards that don't even know science. I mean, you have people that are just on there, and you just you can't believe that they're on a board, part of a, a committee that is involving science. And science. If you, if, I mean, you got to have people who understand the subject, at least. That guy with the fucking internet guy, who's oh, on, like, the I internet know. committee. And he's like, fucking the internet's not a truck. That dude shouldn't be a politician. He shouldn't be a breather tissue. Good like, lord. Goalie down. Not a good tr a fucking truck. Are you kidding me? Bad old man. Oh. Ray Stevens, was that his name? I don't know. Oh, and it's, a, it's a series of tubes. Got a series of tubes. You're a series of tubes. <laughs> I got a series of tubes for you. <laughs> so we got a, a few emails we want to burn through. Amber mentions at the bottom of hers time. We want to read the last paragraph at Amber's. Yeah. Um, she says, my last, my last blurtation is about my dad. My dad is the best. Yay. He was. Uh, <laughs> she didn't write yay. I, I'm saying that's editorialized. It's editorialized. Why would I editorialize? You got to be like sick. Yay. You got to put that in there or whatever. He was brought up in a strict Jehovah's Witness family and he left the indoctrination behind. And my life has been so much better than it could have ended up. 
In fact, as the recipient of a blood transfusion, oh, yeah? my life just wouldn't even be happening. You have periodically mentioned the converts that have emailed you and listened to your show and your part in that terrifying and wonderful journey that they have gone through. As a second-generation runaway from an intense organized religion, I fucking thank you for helping people through this. They and you rock, and their children will thank them. The Cognitive Dissonance listenership and yourselves the only, are one by one changing the lives of generations to come just by laughing in the face of Middle Ages tradition and morons who think there is an invisible man who made all humans from an incest fest 5,000 years ago. Keep it up, chaps. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> Um, she also threatens to buy us a pint of good British ale. If you find a good British ale, I encourage oh. you to send it to us. <laughs> if you, and I will say, if you find a deep fried Mars bar, I'd eat the shit oh out of that. Oh, my God. We got a message from uh, from Jacob. Uh, Jacob was talking here a little bit about uh, about Columbine. Was this Columbine shooting? Yeah, he's talking about a uh, visitor from a traveling anti-bully program called Rachel's Challenge. Um, which is centered around the family of a student killed in a Columbine shooting. Um, and, you know, he had a question about whether or not, because I guess the Rachel's Challenge talky folks um, had a Christian subtext to their message. Um, and there's some confusion there about whether or not, you know, that should be acceptable, whether or not this Christian subtext should be acceptable. Um, you know, my feeling, and I think Cecil and I differ a little bit, but my feeling is um, if the Christian subtext is not overt— you know, in other words, as long as you're not coming in and saying, like, you shouldn't Jesus because of, you shouldn't bully because of Jesus, um, then fine. Uh, if the subtext is overt, um, then it has no place, in my feeling, in a public school. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I agree with that. I think in a, in a public school setting, I don't care. I will say, however, that um, if it's outside of school period, um, I don't care what the subtext is, as long as they're not saying it's okay to bully gay yes, people or right. something. Like, I don't care what the subtext is at all outside of a, a public setting. If it's a public setting, then yes, you can't do the, you know, love on Jesus, here's Jesus's nuts, and then also here's this, you know, anti-bullying message. But if it's, I mean, I I really don't care about uh I, I, I care more about the the product, you know, the in my opinion, the ends do justify the means here, you know. We got an email from Alan that talks about the founder Steen. Yeah, and I thought this was interesting. Um, Alan says uh, basically that uh, there is a book uh, written by Michael Austin called That's Not What They Meant. And the thesis of the book basically says that the right wing and the left wing have this horrible habit of creating a creature called the Founderstein, which is the conglomeration of all the American founding fathers into one big founding fathers, as in the founding fathers meant so-and-so and whatever. Um, but this does a huge disservice to them as individuals and how the country was made. And I think that's a great point. And I appreciate you bringing that up because the, that, that's often thrown around like, well, the founding fathers really said oh, that everybody should drink Pepsi and not Coke. Yeah. And you're like, well, fucking I'll slap my dick in their face. Yeah. Who cares what the founding father? And that's not a one person. There's not a one founding fathers. Yeah, this happened recently. We we're talking about the Second Amendment last week, Tom. And one of the things that came up was uh, people were talking about how – somebody had sent an email and said the second amendment was written so that people could overthrow the government. And a couple of people said, Oh no, that's not why it was. And we got big long emails about like, like here's what the second amendment is, blah, blah, blah. I'll be honest with people. I really don't care what the mindset of the second amendment when it was wrote was. I don't care what, when they sat down to write that thing out, I don't care what they thought. I don't care what their intentions were. They don't have to live now. They don't have to deal with 
guns and, and assault weapons and people possibly owning an F-16. They don't have to deal with that. They're fucking dead. So we need to take a look at that that document and say, well, what does it mean to us today? I personally don't care what the founding fathers thought at all. I don't think that that's relevant to what's happening in our in our country right now. We are smart people. We can figure this out. We look to them and say, hey, you guys wrote something really cool. Well, you know what? That's before there was an internet. That's before there was a microwave. That's before we had an inner, inner, uh, an interstate system that spanned the entire country. That's before we had income tax. That's before, you know, you wrote this stuff down before a lot of the changes in our country even came about. Um, so that's when we had people who were enslaved to us fucking farming for a century. There's so much different then than there is now that we I I almost think that, you know, it's a disservice to them to say, well, what did they think about this? What did they think? They didn't live when we live. And I think that we need to look at the way in which things are written today and say, okay, well, what does it mean for us? What does the Second Amendment mean for us? It says we we should be able to have a well-armed militia. Okay, well, do we need a well-armed militia? Is that a thing? Do I need to? Am I worried about roving bands of people coming in or is there some sort of weird little tiny country that's going to try to invade the United States that the, the, the United States government's going to be like, well, it's just a really small country. So we'll just let them invade. You know, <laughs> nobody's going to, I mean, Barbados. It, right. Let's be like, Oh, well it's just, you know, look, it's just Cancun or whatever, you know, or whatever it is that came over. It's a city, isn't it? It's not a state, but let's just say like fucking grand Cayman got in their boats. Cuba came over. <laughs> We'd be like, Oh, well we'll just let them invade. Cause they're small. We don't really care. And it's like, Look, we have to think about these things in a context that is today. So when people send these messages in and they're like, oh, you guys got it wrong about the Second Amendment. It's like, well, I really don't care what the founding fathers thought of the Second Amendment. I care what we think of the Second Amendment. We got a, oh my God, this picture. Scott sent in a picture and this is, this is something. I'm going to post this. I'm not going to spoil the joke. I'm not going to mention the joke. You want to see this image, go to episode 129 cognitive dissonance on uh, dissonancepod.com and you'll see this image it is something wow. to behold wow wow that's all <laughs> you know, I have. you know that's something when they can have us speechless for a moment it's like wow that's a thing so yeah. thank you for sending that in we want to end uh this email <laughs> section tom with you coughing and with us uh talking about this uh this kid who was driving I know I forget exactly where he's driving, but he kills four people when he was drunk, and they're all talking about the, the his defense was, and he got off with ten years probation. Here, his defense was uh, he had quote affluenza, meaning he had never really had any his whole life. He's had everything he wanted, so that's why he didn't understand that running into people was bad. Yeah, uh, this is such complete horseshit. Um, it was we. There were a million articles about it. I read this art throughout the course of the week. Um, you know, it reminded me. The first thing I thought of was um, what is it? A year or so back, when a when a group of uh, Muslim girls, I think it was, yeah, got drunk and they beat up some dude and his girlfriend, um, and and they got away with it because they were able to sell the judge the idea that, well, you know, culturally we don't drink. So when we all got drunk, we had no idea how to handle it. And so we just went fucking batshit crazy. And somehow that mitigated their responsibility. Um, and this idea here is that, you know, this, these, these young people who are uh, from extremely affluent families, uh, they don't have any controls on their behaviors. 
um, because they're able to act with relative impunity um, everywhere they go. So why wouldn't driving a car translate to the same level of impunity? And so this person got drunk and uh, killed people with their automobile. They somehow are that somehow served to mitigate uh, the damage that was caused. And it's it's such bullshit, because if you can turn that argument and just say, well, what about somebody who's poor? What about if somebody said, well, your honor, uh, you know, my family has always been poor. We've never had a car before. We've never had enough money for alcohol. We've only eaten, you know, we only live on fucking four dollars a day. So it's beans and rice and water for us. So, you know, snap. (laughs) So we're really hurting. Uh, I finally got a hold of some alcohol and I got behind the wheel of this car. I got drunk and I killed, you know, that nice white family over there. Um, But, you know, it's not my fault. I have poverty influenza. You know, I never had an opportunity to get behind the wheel of an H2 before. So I ran them over. I mean, it wouldn't fucking fly. No. It just wouldn't fly. Um, And it just seems to me, Cecil, just proof that uh, rich people just get away with shit. Man, there was a guy a couple years ago, maybe a year ago in Florida, dude just ran people over. Just ran people over and it's like, oh yeah, well that guy got off, he got a couple points on his license and had to pay a civil suit uh, but he got out of jail. And it's like, there's people who drunk, drink and drive and they're poor and they get fucking sent up the river for years and years and years. And there's people who are drink and drive and they're rich and they get fucking a slap on the wrist. The people who get, who are rich in this country, there is a disparity in justice in the justice system that needs to be fixed. There needs to be, I mean, I don't understand how these judges, I mean, maybe these judges are seeing these kids and thinking, well, that could be my kid. Maybe they're having less, I don't know, maybe these are large donors to their fucking, you know, to their cause because judges have to run as, as you know politicians too so maybe there's something there i don't know what it is to make these people get less of a sentence but they get less of a sentence way more often and uh and i think that's sad i think we need to change that that's just i mean look you you're okay with the punitive justice system that we have the system that fucks people in the ass for fucking having a dime bag of weed three times but we're we're okay with this guy getting 10 years worth of uh worth of probation and I'm look I'm down with you know if if everyone was getting the same level of justice I'm okay with people not going to jail and getting help that they need I'm okay with that cuz I'm more for a rehabilitative system anyway right. but, but I'm not I'm I certainly don't think that uh that 10 years justifies killing four people I think you know you've got to spec there's got to be some sort of punishment there it doesn't feel like there's any punishment there at all so we're going to we're going to wrap this up here we have uh we want to thank Adam from uh from the herd mentality podcast you can go to uh, herdmentalitypodcast.com to catch at his show. He does a show with uh, people that are just on Twitter that he meets, and it's it's there's some really great episodes in there. So take a listen to his show. We're hopefully going to be on Skeptically Challenged this week uh, with uh, Geo and Tom and I, as well as Ross. So we're hoping that's going to be a thing. We'll let you know. Hopefully, we're going to be on the Herd Mentality Podcast in the future. We'll see when that sort of shakes itself out. Um, but until next time, we're going to leave you as always with. The Skeptic's Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead, pan sales pitch, late night info docutainment. 
Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. Okay. Hello. Hey. hey. Welcome to Cognitive Dissonance. <laughs> you can't say that. That's a well, actually you probably say it better than Tom, actually. Anybody could. You. Christ. Yeah, to be honest with you. All right. So well, thank, look guys, thanks for getting me on and I'm really sorry for stuffing everyone around. No, this no, it's good. Just... You know, like the thing is is well, you know, we'll get to it on when we get you on the show, but it's not you know, it's not a big deal. It's it's this is actually this is actually really good for us to to get somebody on who's who's funnier and better looking than us. So that takes not a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah. I'm just throwing that out. I mean, yeah, I mean pretty much we could right? just do man on the street and that would be funnier and better looking. Why so. is my microphone <laughs> fucking wiggle waggling like a fucking loose dick? Jesus. Settle down. <laughs> There we go. Tom, Christ. Tom, you got you to caress it. And Dude, I was giving it a little love, but I we're, guess I had to get a tighter actually, grip on Adam, this fucking Adam, thing. You get the benefit of listening to us while we're in the same fucking room together. Which this is, never happens. Which never happens. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Wait, Cecil Drove, let me explain to you something, Adam. Not that you'll care, because I wouldn't in your shoes. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, I'm, I'm, struggling, I'm struggling to care as we right, speak. I know. <laughs> Hang up. I hate this guy already. All right. Fuck, fuck this. Cancel this interview. <laughs> It is. It snowed, what, six, eight inches? It's about eight inches. Yeah. And Cecil drove out in the snow, like 30-some miles, to get to my house this morning while it was still actively coming down. Like, right. the roads were not right. plowed. It took well over an hour. Well, let me, hold on now. Now, 30 miles in kilometers is like 100,000 kilometers. Oh, right. So, you know, I should have yeah. gone kilometers. <laughs> yeah. I think that translates <laughs> into, like, 2.6 million kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't carry the same. So <laughs> and, and again, I just want to point out, I did nothing. I woke up late and I went to Starbucks. Yeah. It was awesome. They don't have Starbucks. Do they have there. Starbucks? Is that a thing? No, they don't. They don't what have do Starbucks. What do you guys do? No, we, we've got Starbucks. No, oh, you do? Okay, good. Kidding? Yeah. We're, we're, look, we're the only people. We, we drink coffee in Australia to support your economy. <laughs> All right. So you read the story. We're going to jump. I'm going to have Tom. Tom's going to do a little. Here's what's going to happen. Tom's going to mm-hmm. do a little thing that he does at the beginning of every show. He's going to introduce Is you. Fart? Uh, yeah, he's going to fart and cough That's not a little at the same thing. time. <laughs> and then um, when he does that, he's going to do like, you don't have to record anything, Tom. I'm recording it all for you. What? 
Tom is going into GarageBand right now. <laughs> Fuck he doesn't you, dude. Need to. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just a dude. Yeah, what's well, Your fucking mic is even hooked up to your computer right now. What does my mic hook up to? It's hooked up to this. <laughs> Why is it hooked up? I don't know where I'm at. God damn. This is my house. This is my office. Dude. Anyway, so, Adam. You, um, this is so not amateur. We've been drinking. So just so you know, oh, one, yeah. <laughs> we've been drinking. <laughs> Two, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna I'm actually. Still drinking. I know. I'm gonna steal your bourbon in a second. No, you are not. No, I know. <laughs> he got serious there for a second. All right, so here's the deal. Tom's gonna do it. This is cognitive dissonance. Yada yada yada. He's Adam actually wants to talk about the story where the guy diddled the kids, which is. Yeah, um, told girls in, you can take any the one of the thousands yeah, of the that thousands. are out there right. exactly. Told girls that there's demons inside of them. Look he at could, that jacket. He could ejaculate them out of them. So, uh, mm-hmm. so basically what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that. Tom's going to talk about that story. He's probably going to talk about it for maybe 20 seconds, and he's going to toss it over to you. Um, you are recording this whole time your own end, right? Yes. Okay. And then um, we're going to jibber-jab about that story for maybe 10 minutes or so. Then, mm-hmm. I'm, then we're going to stop. I'm going to say, okay, we're back with the sh- end of the show with Adam, and then we're going to talk about your show, and we're going to talk about you, and we're going to probably talk about your penis for a little while, and then we're going to end the show. Please do. And then, then <laughs> it's on everyone's lips. <laughs> then that's it. It's on everyone's lips. <laughs> this guy's great. I love this guy already. Quick, man. He's quick. I know. He's funnier than Shit. we are. I don't, I'm afraid, actually, to be honest, everybody who comes on our show is funnier than we are. So <laughs> I'm grateful. Really it's matter. like, are you kidding me? It doesn't matter at all. This is fantastic. God, you have like no this, on this the is show. An opportunity for I don't have to hold you up for a whole hour. Which I couldn't do anyway. Right, right. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be good fun. Yeah, well, we'll see. So, so much better than Jake's show. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>